This is the Football Friday Tailgate Podcast, hosted by Dan Long. What's going on, everyone? This is Dan Mullen, and welcome to the Football Friday Tailgate Podcast. It is week three of the NFL preseason here in the year 2014. The games are all wrapping up. Uh, There's still one game going on right now, San Francisco and San Diego. But all of the meaningful, you can call them meaningful, preseason games have already occurred. And we really have a good idea of where we're going with fantasy football. So we present to you our annual fantasy football edition of the Football Friday Tailgate Podcast. The next 30 minutes or so, we're going to delve right into fantasy football strategy, how you can go about winning your fantasy football league, some tips, some players to avoid, some players to target, and just some things that will help you do well in your fantasy football draft and your fantasy football season. Also, I'm going to do a little brief recap of the Patriots-Carolina game. As you probably know, I am a Patriots fan. And I follow them quite closely. So wanted to give you some takeaways from that game um, for both teams and also the fantasy implications of those. So without further delay, let's jump right into the Patriots Panthers or Pats vs. Cats, as I like to say. So that game was this past Friday. Patriots uh, hosted Carolina in Foxborough. And the Patriots, this was, as you probably know, with preseason, the third game of the preseason is really the most important one in the game where the starters play the longest. They'll normally come back out for the second half. And you really get a chance to see who, you know, what the depth chart is, who's going to be the starters, what are some just kind of vanilla schemes that the teams are going to use, and how everybody kind of looks together. So you've got new players, like on the Patriots, they've got Darrell Rivas, they've got Brandon Browner, and then on offense, pretty much the same cast of characters from last year. But you really get a chance to see how everything looks, and and then you get to see them come out after the first half to see how they start off the second half. So it's really the dress rehearsal game for the season. Both Carolina and the Patriots had some good things and some some things they're going to have to work on. But um, I think uh, I think both teams are probably well. At least the Patriots were pretty happy with how they did. So if I just kind of look through what I wanted to start off with just going over some breakout performances or potential breakout performances that I saw in this game, Chandler Jones and the Patriots front seven really looked like they, they've arrived. And it's been a culmination of a few years now, the Patriots drafting really heavy on defense. One of the things that's kept them away from getting back to the Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl is defense. They've had one of the poorest third down defenses in the league, and they just can't get off the field. They don't give up a lot of points, but they give up a lot of yardage. Teams are just, they're able to kind of get into a, you know, a shooting match basically with the Patriots. And it's been a long time since 10 years ago when they won their last Super Bowl. And really, the defense was just as important as the offense back then, if not more so. You had the Rodney Harrisons, the Ty Laws, the Teddy Brewskis, the Mike Vrabels, those sorts of guys, Willie McGinnis. Those teams are really built around those guys. Richard Seymour, another one. They just haven't had those impact guys in a while. So the last few seasons, they've been drafting really high in the draft. First round picks like Chandler Jones and um, Dante Hightower and a few other a few other guys, Gerard Mayo and, of course, Vince Wilfork, who they drafted um, close to 10 years ago. So the Patriots have been going really heavy on defense, and it really is starting to show it's becoming fruitful for them now, especially since they got Darrell Rivas, who as you know, is one of the best cornerbacks in football. He can shut down half the field. That's what he's known for. What happens is is that ability to shut down receivers on the back end 
it works kind of symbiotically with the the front seven and the pass rush. So they've got more time to get to the quarterback. You saw it in this past game. Chandler Jones, Ninkovich, the other pass rushers were able to get to Newton. He had to hold the ball longer because nobody was open, and that's partly because of his wide receiving core, which we'll get to here in a moment. The Patriots are going to get a lot of coverage sacks this year because Revis is going to take great receivers out of the game. So the Mannings, the Tannehills, those guys are going to have to stay in the pocket longer, and they're going to have to wait for guys to get open. And the Patriots are going to be able to get to the quarterback. I think Jones now is really elevating his game, or it looks like he's about to elevate his game, to be a real force from the defensive end pass rush. And if he can ascend this year and really be that first-round pick that they thought they were getting a few years ago, that is going to be huge for the defense and could really turn the Patriots into a dominating defense. On the other side, the Panthers' defense, their secondary is not so lucky. They have a great front seven, although we didn't see Luke Keekley at linebacker. He's one of the best in the game. They have a great defensive line. They've got Star Lodolale, or whatever his name is. He's a really good defensive lineman. So they've got a lot of good guys there. Charles Johnson, who also didn't play. They could have a really good front seven, but without that secondary, that strong secondary, they're going to get probably shredded in some games this year. And Newton, another guy I, you know, you noticed in this game, just didn't look quite right as well. So some questions for Carolina. Getting back to the Patriots, on offense, uh, two guys really jumped out for me. Shane Vereen, running back, and Julian Edelman, wide receiver. Edelman first. He is also a special teams guy, a return man, and he is looking as good as ever on returns. Um, he's notoriously uh, done really well in the preseason uh, with punt returns and whatnot. But he looked good in the receiving game. He looked good in the special teams game. I would expect that he's going to be the number one target for Brady this year and probably will lead the team in receptions. Shane Vereen, on the other hand, is kind of the Julian Edelman of the backfield, of the running backs. He catches more passes out of the backfield. He's almost like kind of a hybrid wide receiver running back in the backfield and can be put in motion, can go out for passes. A lot of times with a running back in the backfield, they end up getting matched up with a linebacker. The linebacker ends up playing man on the running back. So if you get Shane Vereen out in space against a linebacker, you can go 50 yards or whatever he did on that wheel route that he did uh, in Friday night's game. He went down, the linebacker didn't have a chance to catch him, and he just went right down the sideline. And it was uh, one of the easiest touchdowns you'll see. It was it was, uh, it was was right there, and Brady hit him in stride. Brady looked great as well. Brady threw a nice, um, nice touch pass to Julian Edelman, which went right over his shoulder. Got, uh, Edelman was covered, but he was able to just drop it in there. And that's something that Brady has really shown to be able to do in this preseason. He's had really good touch on his passes. He's never going to have the arm of a Joe Flacco or someone like that who can just throw it 60 yards down the field no problem uh, with accuracy. But he can definitely put a little touch on the ball. He can do quick passing game. Um, he's still accurate, still has a pretty good pocket presence, although he does get jitters sometimes. Uh, can you blame him? Uh, the, the offensive line has not looked great. Brady has looked really good in the preseason as well. He looks like he's in midseason form. And really you could say the same for all of the Patriots quarterbacks. Garoppolo has been, you know, has been a star in the preseason. Everybody's uh, jumped on his bandwagon. Ryan Mallett, who is the perennial backup there in, in New England, he didn't look so great early on, but he had a decent game against Carolina. So all the quarterbacks look good. Now, it's interesting. Uh, so the big news story today, Sam Bradford uh, out for the year with an ACL, which is awful. I mean, you hate to hear that. He's had a tough run of it uh, with injuries. 
Luckily, he got $50 million guaranteed when he signed his first contract, so I think he's still set for life. But uh, tough break for him, tough break for the Rams. It'll be interesting to see in the next 24 to 48 hours uh, if the Rams start making some phone calls because you've got Ryan Mallett available. I mean, the Patriots would definitely trade him. He's in the last year of his contract. Philadelphia has Mark Sanchez as a backup, and Sanchez has actually looked surprisingly good in the preseason. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams wanted to give him a shot. And then there's other guys you look through the league. Kirk Cousins, I don't know if he would be available in Washington. They're probably going to want to keep him with RG3's checkered health history. Some other backups, um, you know, Mike Glennon or one of the McCown brothers, you know, those kind of guys, sort of the retread types that have been around. You, you might have you might have a go at one of those guys. I'd like to see Ryan Mallett go to the Rams. I think that would be a great fit. They have a great receiving core right now. They're really starting to kind of put things together, but they still have those questions at the quarterback spot. Bradford got hurt last year. Now he's hurt again. Without a good quarterback, you're going nowhere in this league. So we'll keep tuned on that one. Uh, Ryan Mallett, I could definitely see uh, see ending up in St. Louis. Breakout performer for Carolina. This is a guy who you were going to hear me talk about ad nauseum on this podcast and on future podcasts. Uh, it's Kelvin Benjamin, the rookie wide receiver out of Florida State. He's, um, I don't know, 6'5 or 6'4, real tall body, great wingspan. You know, he's got a huge catch radius, as, as they like to call it. You know, he's going to have some growing pains as a rookie, still, you know, learning, uh, you know, learning how to be a, an NFL uh, wide receiver. But that being said, on Carolina, there's not, there's not that many guys left. They don't have any wide receivers that even caught a pass last year on their team. Steve Smith's gone. He went to Baltimore. Brandon LaFell's on the Patriots. He's gone. And then everybody else uh, is gone as well. So Carolina now has Jericho Cotchery, who's kind of a retread from, that used to be with the Jets. They have Jason Avant, uh, who's bounced around a few places. I think he was in Philadelphia. He's always kind of been a, just another guy. And then Kelvin Benjamin, the rookie wide receiver who they took early in the draft. They're expecting big things from him, and he's going to really get a shot to play in this this offense because other than him, you've got Greg Olson and the running backs, and there's not a lot of weapons for you know Cam Newton to go to in this offense. So I, I think Kelvin Benjamin is in line to get a lot of looks, and even if he doesn't know what he's doing half the time, even if he's still learning on the fly, he's so athletic, so big, he's going to just get open just easily on many occasions and cam newton is going to be able to find him because you can't miss this guy running down the field so i i look for big things and i think right off the get-go right off the bat i think benjamin is going to make an impact in the nfl so he'll be somebody i talk about here in the fantasy football uh information that's coming up in just a moment but quick preview on that i say draft him you know in the middle to late at draft if you're looking for a wide receiver as like a flex guy or a backup i really like this kid and i think he a lot of good things are coming for him other observations from the game, uh, I said Cam Newton does not really look like himself. He's kind of getting, I think he's getting over a foot injury or a leg injury. You could tell he's still kind of feeling it out a little bit, still not really that comfortable, you know, not as mobile as he used to be. There was one option where he had a wide open space to run for a, run, uh, for a first down. He probably could have run for 20 yards, and he just he held back and stayed in the pocket and, and ended up being incomplete so he's the old cam newton and i'm sure they're you know just like rg3 they're trying to kind of program him to be more of a pocket quarterback all these guys that in the last couple of years that are running the read options and and the mobile quarterbacks they're getting dinged up left and right and this was this is why the michael vicks of the world he was never going to be the future quarterback i mean 
it's it's really tempting to have running quarterbacks and really athletic quarterbacks, but at the end of the day, there's a reason they don't run the option in the NFL. Part of it's because the players are really fast and the defenses can stop them, but it's more so because quarterbacks just don't, you can't have a quarterback take a lot of hits from guys that are 300 pounds and run a 4 5 40. The guy's going to break after a while. So quarterbacks, you know, that's why they have to slide. That's why you see RG3s getting knocked around like a pinball by three different guys. Slide, slide, don't get hit. And it's the same for running backs as well. Running backs, why do you think these guys don't last until 30 years old or later? Because they take way too many hits. They're fighting for that extra yard. You just need to know, you need to know you only have so many bullets in the gun. You've got to conserve yourself and you can't take a hit on every play. It's hurt Gronkowski. Why do you think Gronkowski gets hurt all the time? Because he carries guys on his back and he keeps running. And it's the thing that makes him great, but it's also the thing that makes him get hurt. So, you know, the RG3s, the Gronkowskis, the Cam Newtons, I'm sure Kaepernick is probably going to face the same thing as well. You've got to know when you're going to get hit. You've got to go down or go out of bounds. You've got to conserve, you know, your strength for times when you really need it. You can't be always going for that extra yard. Marvin Harrison used to be great at that. He'd catch the ball and then he'd duck down on the on the turf and, and wait for somebody to touch him. And people used to kind of rip on him a little bit. Oh, he just goes down and he's, you know, kind of almost like he flops when he catches the ball. But that guy had a, like a 12-year career in the NFL. It might have even been longer than that. And the reason he did it is because he never got hurt that often because he just avoided hits. And he had a long career. He knew he's 150, 160 pounds. He can't take big hits all the time. So he was an example of someone who really got that point. You know, Cam Newton, the other thing, he's holding the ball a long time. Is that the Revis effect? I think it might be. I'm sure a lot of Patriots, uh, quarterbacks that go against the Patriots are going to run into similar things. There's going to be a lot of coverage sacks, I think, uh, from the Patriots. And just the wide receiver and the weak depth at that position. I think Carolina could, the season could go one of two ways for Carolina. They could either be like an 8-8 eight and eight team and have an okay season and, def, you know, defy expectations a little bit. Pull back from last year, but still kind of be a 500 team. Or this season could really tank because they've got problems on both sides of the ball that you're seeing early on. Their division is, is, is okay. You know, you've got Tampa Bay who could, they're kind of in the same boat. They could be good or they could not be good. I know that's kind of a fence sitting remark, but it's really difficult to tell what's going to happen with Tampa Bay. New Orleans, you expect they're going to be in the mix. They're always tough, especially on their offense. So Carolina, you know, where do they fit in that whole mix? You know, NFC South, not a bad division. We'll we'll see how they do, but I I think that there's a really good chance that their season could go down. It's really up to Cam Newton to see what he performs and see how he can do. Uh, my prediction for the Patriots, I think they're going to win 12 games easy. I mean, they could they could flirt with 14 wins, 15 wins if if the cards play out right and they stay healthy. The one advantage they have over the Broncos, which is going to be huge, is their schedule. Once again, it's hard to tell before the season, but their schedule looks like it's going to be a little easier than the Broncos' schedule for two reasons. Number one, the Broncos play in their own division, obviously, two games, and their division is a lot tougher than the AFC East. And then they also play the NFC West. So you've got San Francisco, you've got Seattle, you've got Arizona, and then you have St. Louis. St. Louis probably not going to be an issue, but those other three teams will be. And the Patriots play... um, NFC North, I believe, NFC North. NFC North's tough, but not as tough as the NFC West. The NFC West is the premier division in all of football. So that's something to watch out for when it comes down to, you know, playoff seeding. Looking way down the line, but that's something, uh, you know, to think of because 
I think the consensus feeling is that the Broncos and the Patriots are still the two best teams in the AFC. We'll let it play out, but um, if everybody stays healthy, I think that's the way it's going to shake out. Panthers, um, as I said, they may take a step back, so we'll we'll see. I don't. We'll wait for our predictions for next week. I'm sure I'll have uh, plenty of those for you uh, for our week one preview and season preview. We'll tease that until next week. So the part you've all been waiting for, my fantasy football strategy session here. I know a lot of you guys that listen, fantasy football fans uh, all over the country, all over the world possibly. I know there's uh, some German people who listen. So fantasy football draft, if you've your team is already drafted by now, don't ever do that team again because your league obviously doesn't take it seriously. Fantasy football draft should all be after the third game of the preseason. You want to see what the depth charts are. You want to see if there's injuries. You want to know who is lining up. So the next two weeks, this is the prime time for fantasy football drafts. Real teams that are really serious about fantasy football, they are drafting now and for the next two weeks. They didn't draft two weeks ago. They didn't draft after the first preseason game and say, oh, wow, look, uh, you know, oh, Gio Bernard, he got five yards. Oh, you know, okay, good, good. No, they waited until now. Now they know who the injured players are, who's going to play. Look at this weekend. Wes Welker, concussion, boom. His season could be in doubt. His career could be in doubt. Sam Bradford, ACL, boom, he's gone. If you drafted a week ago, you may have drafted these guys in the middle of your draft. Another one, Matt Prater, kicker for the Broncos. Yeah, four-game suspension, gone. He's one of the top three kickers. If you drafted last week, you might have picked Matt Prater as your kicker. Well, guess what? He's out for four games. Now you got to find a new guy. So that's a waste. He's basically undraftable unless you've already drafted him. And then in that case, you may even kick him to the curb. So real fantasy football drafts are occurring now. So if you haven't drafted yet or you're drafting tonight or this week or next week, congratulations, you are in a real fantasy football league. The question I get all the time is, what things do I need to know to succeed in the fantasy football draft? Because the draft is really the most important part of the whole thing. This is when you create your team. And if you make a mistake in your fantasy football draft, it is going to have a ripple effect for the whole season. And unless you really luck out in the waiver wire or, or injuries or something along those lines, you're in really rough shape if you make mistakes in your fantasy football draft. So things we want to talk about. The strategy with your fantasy football draft is there's a, you know, like Sun Tzu, as you probably heard of, the famous war uh, writer, you know, The Art of War, the book that uh, Gordon Geckos of the world read, you know, about uh, about how to fight battles from uh, feudal Japan. The war is won before you ever get onto the battlefield. Everyone uh, in business knows that. You always have to prepare ahead of time to be able to succeed. And fantasy football drafts are no different. It's obviously not war or business. It's something a lot smaller than that. But if you want to win, because in a lot of ways this is gambling and it is a, a game that you're trying to win, you need to do preparation ahead of time. You need to have a strategy of what you want to do in your fantasy football draft. Now, there's many different strategies. There's no one way that is the best way. There's a few different ways you can go. One important thing you want to do is year to year you want to determine what is the strategy or what is the the way that's probably best to go about, you know, what players are the most important to go for. And with the way the NFL is going now, running backs are becoming less 
the less of the workhorse back and more of kind of specialists or running back by committee. You're getting a couple of guys. You get the pass rusher guy for third down. You get the, the fat guy who runs on first and second down. You've got the change of pace back. You've got the scat back. You've got the guy who put him in motion and make him your slot guy. There's all different things going on. You want to get the running back who is the undeniable weapon for a team that they're they're always going to go to that he is the number one guy he plays all three downs he can run he can catch and he is just a dominant force in the running game and someone that that team will use to control a game and there's only about like six or seven of those guys in the nfl if you're drafting early in the draft you've got to go for one of those seven guys you probably know who some of them are jamal charles LaShawn McCoy, Matt Forte, Adrian Peterson, Eddie Lacy, DeMarco Murray, Monte Ball, Gio Bernard. Uh, there's a few other guys. There's, you know, maybe like 10 or 15 guys I guess you probably could put in that category. And then even within that, there's a higher tier. So you want to be able to tier it and, and know who the first tier guys are. The first four picks in the draft are going to be the same for almost every fantasy football draft. So you cannot screw that up if you're one of the top four guys. You need to know who those people are. Another thing you need to do pre-draft is you need to know the rules of your league. What gives you points in your league? How many points do you get for certain things? Does your quarterback only get four points when he scores a touchdown by throwing? Does he get um, six points if he runs them in as opposed to throwing? Or do, do all touchdowns count six points for your quarterback? You need to know those things. You need to know if your receiver or your running back gets a point per reception, PPR they call it. So every time he makes a catch, does he get a point, a fantasy point for that? If he does, then guys like Shane Vereen, Sproles, other guys that catch a lot of passes, they're going to have more value because they make a lot of receptions. Shane Vereen could have 70 or more receptions this year. So that's 70 more points than a running back who does similar things but doesn't catch the ball. So those are the things that you need to be aware of. You need to know the rules. I recommend that you go to a fantasy resource ahead of time and look at mock drafts, look at rankings, start to develop an idea of the tiers of guys, like who are the best running backs and who are the best quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, there's three guys. There's Peyton Manning, there's Drew Brees, and there's Aaron Rodgers. And then there's everybody else. If you don't get one of those three guys early in the draft, then guess what? You're not drafting a quarterback until like the 10th round because everybody else is the same. There's no reason to rush on it. Get all your other players. That's something to think about. Running backs are similar, but there's they're even more important because there's only so many of them. Wide receivers, you've got Calvin Johnson, you've got Brandon Marshall, you've got A.J. Green, you've got, uh, who am I missing here? Brandon Marshall, A.J. Green, Calvin Johnson. I'll come back to that one, but the same guys that, that are always the studs that you go to for that. Uh, Des Bryant, that's another one, sorry. Um, had a brain freeze there. Wide receivers, who are the top guys there? You want to get those guys early on. You want to go wide receiver, running back, running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, that sort of thing. You want to focus on those guys early on. Maybe you go with a stud quarterback if you can get one of those three guys. That's another strategy in the first two rounds. And then Jimmy Graham, the tight end, he's the only one. He would be one that you'd want to focus on in either the first or second round if he's available. He's an acceptable pick as well. So those are the those are the kind of players. The first two rounds of the draft, you just can't screw it up. You don't want to pick someone that you can get later on. You want to make sure that you get proven commodity in the first two rounds of the draft. And you just don't want to screw that up. So look through. You'll start to see the patterns. You'll see who the people are. The first two rounds, really, as long as you're not dumb, you should be able to figure it out. 
If you're using a Yahoo or one of these other websites, ESPN, NFL, they tell you what the average rating or average draft position of each player is. So it's you can't really mess it up. Look at those things, but also make sure you feel comfortable with a guy. Look at what his injury history is. Look at what uh, what his team looks like. Is he fighting with another guy on the team for carries or for receptions? Is the quarterback not that good? Those things affect your players, and that that comes in more into play as you get through. You start moving through the draft, and you're dealing with guys trying to tell the difference between one and another guy who are almost the same. So first round, second round. Stick to the sure things. Third round, if that one of those top three quarterbacks is still there, you should take them. Otherwise, you're probably going to keep going wide receiver or running back. Fourth round, same, keep loading up. Tight end, if you don't get Jimmy Graham or one of the top guys early on, you can wait long into the draft just like with with quarterback you don't have to don't have to strike on anyone there's plenty of guys you know later on in the draft Jason Witten's a good guy to go after uh, if he's still there in like the seventh or eighth round he'd be somebody to look at he always gets a lot of points with Dallas and another important thing to think of so kicker and def- defense you have to draft a kicker you have to draft a team defense you should not be drafting either of these things until the last two rounds of the of the draft and you don't need a backup kicker you don't need a backup defense. You can always pick one off the waiver wire later in the season. There's always a kicker that comes out of the woodwork, some rookie guy that no one's ever heard of who does well, or a defense where the team, you didn't expect them to be good, and they are suddenly are good. You could pick them up in the middle of the season if you need to make a change or you need to make up for a bye week. Don't worry about that. That'll take care of itself. Wait until the end. The preferred method, I would say, is the second to last round you go with a defense, and then the last round you pick a kicker kicker you know some some guy in your your league is going to be smarter than everybody else and he's going to take steven gostowski or hauschka or one of these other guys early on in like the 12th round and think he's brilliant well if that guy took matt prater how does he feel right now matt prater the drug addict he's he's going to be out for four games so that was a brilliant strategy when you could have picked up somebody who might actually have impacted your team so wait Wait, wait on those guys. One thing, um, well, there's a couple other topics with fantasy football drafts that always come up, and I'm kind of a contrarian, or I try to be a contrarian on on this as well as a lot of things in life because contrarianism is the key to being successful. You've got to go against the grain sometimes. You can't always go with the crowd. That's not going to differentiate you. That's not going to make you a success. You've got to look for inefficiencies and opportunities when everyone is doing something a certain way, you go the other way. Works with the stock market, works with a lot of things. A couple of things that I I don't subscribe to that some other fantasy football people do, uh, you hear some prognosticators, whatever, say, you need to handcuff your running back. You got to get the backup. You got to get him. And you got uh, Jamal Charles. You got to get Niall Davis. You've got, you know, LaShawn. You got to get Darren Sproles. You've got this guy. You got to get that guy. Hogwash. Okay, because what's here's what's going to happen. You're going to try and get fixated on getting your handcuff for your running back. You're going to draft him way too early because you don't want someone else to get him. And the guy's probably never going to play anyway because he's a backup. There's a reason he's a backup. He's not as good of a running back. So don't waste your time worrying about handcuffs. Handcuffs are overrated. In some cases, there's some that make sense. Actually, Jamal Charles, his backup is pretty good. Charles has gotten hurt in the past. That might be one. Niles Davis is one you want to pick up. Other than that, don't get fixated on it. Just keep drafting the best guy you can get. There's always going to be guys on the waiver wire. Heck, the guy might not get drafted anyway. He might be available on the waiver wire. You can pick him up if somebody else on your team gets hurt. So 
don't even worry about it. Just keep picking the best available. If your guy gets hurt, well, that's the luck. That's the luck of the draw, and it stinks, and hopefully you drafted other good guys who can make up for that, or you pick somebody else up the waiver wire who can make up for your guy who's hurt. Don't get fixated on the handcuffs. It's a loser strategy. I don't agree with it at all. I don't understand why. You know, I I feel like these fantasy football guys have to make up things just to sound smart. I think that's a stupid strategy. I think it's dumb, and I've never seen it work for anyone. I've wasted draft picks on picking up guys who barely are in the league just because I had to handcuff my running back. I got to handcuff. I got to get the backup for Corey Dillon or whoever. No, don't do it. It's a waste of time. Don't even bother with it. Another thing, auto drafts. I personally love fantasy football drafts. I love the act of doing them. I get excited. It's fun. You know, you're on the clock. It's, it, you know, it's kind of exhilarating. And in some ways, it's the most fun part of fantasy football for the whole season is the actual draft, especially if you can get your buddies together and you do it somewhere live. You go to Buffalo Wild Wings or something and you, and you do a fantasy football draft together, bring the camaraderie into it, make it a real event. That is just really cool. I don't have had the opportunity to do that very often. Most of my drafts, I just do them live online, and that's cool as well. But a live draft, sometimes you can't be there. Sometimes you forget about it, <laughs> unfortunately. You know, it's a 7 o'clock on a Thursday night. Maybe you're doing something else, and you just forgot about it, and you forgot to update your Google calendar or your iPhone calendar, and you just you didn't get the alert or whatever. Last year... I had set an alarm, I had my computer ready to go, and my ADD kicked in. I started doing something else, and I forgot all about my fantasy football draft with my buddies from work. And it wasn't until about an hour into the draft that I realized I was missing it. By the time I got there, 90% of my team was picked. I think I made it pick the kicker and the defense. I might have picked the kicker and the defense, but... I actually liked who I got, and and the computer knew to pick. Uh, I don't know how you know. I guess it's Yahoo. The computer did a really good job of picking a full team, getting all the positions filled, and I ended up going on and winning that season against my colleagues at work. Um, now, of course, I had to do other things. I had to make some some moves on the waiver wire. I think I might have even pulled off a trade at one point. But the fact being is, a mock draft or a an auto draft isn't the worst thing in the world because it takes all of the emotion out of it. And they're basically just going to pick the best player available for you. And that's not the worst possible way to draft. So if you do miss your fantasy football draft and you get all down in the dumps and you, you know, you almost don't want to play because you didn't get a chance to pick them. Don't worry. You're probably better off than if you actually did pick the guys. It's kind of like picking stocks. If you just kind of pick an index fund and just get the average market return and keep your fees low, you're going to do well in the long run. Instead of just individual picking stocks or picking mutual funds that are based off of a sector or a certain company, just go with the flow. Just get the get the index fund, get the the uh, the one that's the the average uh, performing thing, and you might do better in the long run. And it's it's like that with a fantasy draft. Let the auto draft take place if if you can't be there or if you don't feel comfortable doing it. Auto draft is not a bad way to go. Takes a little of the camaraderie out of it. Takes a little bit of the fun out, but it's not the worst thing in the world. You still can be successful and you're still going to have the ability to make changes to your team by trades or waiver wire or whatever you want to do. So these are kind of strategies for during the draft. Post-draft, want to start dealing right off the bat if you can. If there's somebody in your league who uh, you think you could pull a deal off for, definitely do it. The rule of thumb with like trades, if you have the best player in the trade, then you probably shouldn't be making it. Unless you really have some inkling that this guy's going to get hurt. Um, you know, maybe you got Rob Gronkowski auto drafted and you don't think he's going to make the season. Um, then you, you got a chance to get two good guys that could play on your team. That's great. But in fantasy football, because you can only play so many people every week, 
you're going to probably want to focus on the best player available and not having a volume of a lot of really good players isn't as good as just having a few really great players. There's really no value to having depth on a fantasy football team. It's not like real life where you want depth on your team and you want good backups. It doesn't matter. If the guy's not, if you're not starting the guy every week, he's not worth having on your team. One thing I, I remember in, when I did a fantasy football thing last year, last podcast, one thing I talked about is if you have a guy on your fantasy football team and you could never foresee yourself starting him or playing him one week, you just don't feel comfortable doing it, then get rid of him. Don't keep him there. Don't just put it there for window dressing just because you want to say you've got whoever uh, on your team just because you want to say, hey, I got Brandon LaFell. No, if you don't like him and you're never going to play him, cut him. I mean, you're better off picking up a backup kicker and, and at least you know that you might play him on some week if he's playing a really crappy team in a dome. That's more of a value than a guy that you're never going to play. So don't get fixated on guys. Don't get fixated on names. Get fixated on people that put up statistics because that's what the name of the game is. It's about statistics. It's not about who does the best commercials. It's not about who you like. It's not about who's the, the upstanding individual. It's about who gets production. So remember that. If you don't like a guy and you don't want to play him, then what good is he on your team? Get rid of him. Those are my fantasy football tips. If you want to listen back to my old podcast about a year back, I had some other great tips for fantasy football. I didn't want to make it a complete rehash of last year. I gave you like a top 10 thing to do for fantasy last year. Most of those things still apply. Go back and listen to it. Uh, It's in the archives and let me know what you think. Definitely give me your feedback on that. I think some of the tips today I think are real, would really help just about anyone, especially if it's your first fantasy football, you haven't done it in a while. Um, these are the things you got to think about. Do the preparation ahead of time. Know who the guys are you want to go after and then make moves and, and be bold and be contrarian. And that's one of the things that I'm going to talk about here in a second because I want to talk about some sleeper picks, some guys that I'd target and some guys that I would avoid. When I get to the part where I talk about guys that I would, that I'd go after, some of these guys are contrarian picks that you may say, whoa, he's got some red flags. I don't know if I want to go after that guy. Well, red flag is just an opportunity for you to get a guy that you shouldn't have been able to get. Gronkowski is going to be one of the biggest ones this year. Rob Gronkowski, if he stays healthy for the year, could win you your fantasy football title, like single-handedly, because he gets a touchdown every game, sometimes two touchdowns. You just don't get that kind of production from a tight end. So we'll talk about that here in a second. So draft strategy all done. Let's talk about some sleeper picks first. So I want to give you my top 10 sleeper guys. A lot of these guys are are new to the league or they're just undervalued or people don't know their names because they just haven't been around a while. I think they're going to elevate their play. And these are guys that are going to be able to be available probably late in your draft and people you might want to target. My first one, Brandon Cooks, wide receiver, New Orleans. He's a rookie. Um, He didn't play in the third game of the preseason because he had the flu or something along those lines. But every chance he's had in practice and in the other games, he has lit it up. And we all know the New Orleans offense is just high-powered. So he's a rookie. Um, Rookie wide receivers, there's a reason they're sleepers because quite often rookie wide receivers hit a wall or they're not good the first year. They're not really usually good until the second year. But a guy like Cooks, I think he's going to be good from the get-go. So he'd be someone I'd look at. Similarly, guy I talked about before, Kelvin Benjamin, Carolina from FSU. He's in the same boat, rookie, but I think he's going to be one of the main targets of Cam Newton in that offense. So he'd be a guy I wouldn't be afraid to take. I drafted him in a a draft just the other day. Uh, Third guy, James White, running back, New New England. He's kind of tailed off a little bit. He's been kind of the uh, sleeper du jour for a lot of people here in the preseason, but hasn't really shown anything in the games. Looks kind of, looked kind of mediocre. 
But Stephen Ridley, the running back from uh, New England, is so fumble prone that he's one play away from being in Belichick's doghouse. James White is not a bad guy to have. Ridley, he's still, he's actually probably a guy with an upside because he's falling so far in drafts and he is definitely the most talented of all the running backs for New England. So we'll see how that plays out. But White is getting a lot of play. Brady loves him. Belichick loves him. They're, they've both talked glowingly about him. So he's a guy you may want to target late in a draft, a running back who could have an impact later in the season. Number four, tight end Travis Kels from Kansas City. He's behind Anthony Fasano on the depth chart at tight end for Kansas City, but he's kind of like a poor man's Gronkowski. He's this big, tall, lumbering guy. He catches everything. He get, He's had two touchdowns in the preseason. He's got a lot of yards. There's not a lot of weapons in the Kansas City passing offense. Dwayne Bowe, what are you going to get from him? Who knows? There's just not a lot of people they can go to outside of Jamal Charles. Alex Smith is going to need to find someone who he can feel comfortable about throwing the ball to. And Kels has the potential. He got hurt last year. Could this be his breakout year? Signs are pointing to it. So that's a guy, if you need a tight end late in your draft, that's a guy to think about going after. Number five, wide receiver Brian Cook, St. Louis. I'm not feeling as good about him as I did two hours ago uh, once I found out Sam Bradford got hurt. Um, but if they can get a, a quarterback who can throw the ball and get the ball out uh, and deliver it to someone, Quick is going to have a great season. He's looked awesome in the uh, preseason. I really like him. We'll see if he gets the opportunity, but uh, <laughs> definitely don't like him as much as I did earlier in the day. Number six, Justin Hunter, Tennessee. This guy is a beast. He's a big, tall guy. He's great on a fade into the end zone. He's a target in the red zone to get touchdowns. Question is, Tennessee, tight, who's your quarterback? You got Jake Locker. You got Mettenberger's. Looked pretty good. Hunter, is the consistency going to be there, I guess, is the question with him. He has the potential, but there's a lot of guys that have that potential, and they, they look good in one preseason game. That doesn't mean they're going to be great in the regular season. He does have that potential to be a breakout candidate, so keep an eye out for him. Pretty surely going to get drafted in, in just about every fantasy draft. You may want to pick him up late in the draft if he's still sticking around. He's a guy to look out for. Number seven, Devontae Robinson from Atlanta. He's the backup running back to Steven Jackson, who's on the wrong side of 30 years old and just looks like he's aged so much in the last few years. He was a real force for a while at running back, but he is just, he's on his last legs. And I, I don't think he's going to make it through the season. I would expect that this is probably his last year. And if that is the case, Robinson and to a lesser extent, Jaquiz Rogers are going to be, uh, you know, guys that you could pick up and could, could get a lot of touches in, in the uh, backfield for Atlanta. But Robinson, especially Rogers is more of a scat back. So Robinson would be the guy that would really benefit if Steven Jackson is hurt for any extended period of time. So he's definitely a guy to target. Number eight, Heath Miller, Pittsburgh. He's an oldie, but goodie. He's been around the league for a long time, got hurt last year. He's back, and he looks like he's as good as ever. He's a steady target for Ben Roethlisberger. Ben's lost a lot of receivers. He lost Mike Wallace a couple of seasons ago. He lost Emmanuel Sanders. You've got Antonio Brown, who's who's really good, but that's only one guy. Wheaton has been so-so. Uh, Roethlisberger loves Heath Miller. He's a steady target, and he's a guy you're going to be able to get late in your draft. So if you didn't pick up a tight end, there was a run on tight end, you missed out. Look for Heath Miller if he's still available. He could end up being a top five tight end this year. That's how much they go to him. So he's a guy to look out for. He's my number eight. 
Uh, my last two picks, my last two sleeper picks are both Philadelphia Eagles. Nine, Jordan Matthews, wide receiver, Philadelphia. And ten, tight end, Zach Ertz, Philadelphia. Both of these guys, I can't say enough glowing things about the Chip Kelly offense. I love it. It's everything that's great about football. I love that the old codgers and the old boy network of the NFL didn't think Chip Kelly could do it and it's gimmicky and whatever. No, this is offense in 2014. Belichick does it with the Patriots. They do that up-tempo. Philip Rivers in San Diego, they're starting to do an up-tempo offense. This is the way that you make strides in your offense. It'll be interesting with the emphasis on the flags this year, if it's going to slow down some of these offenses. But assuming they aren't totally grinded down, an offense like Chip Kelly's is going to be just massively effective this year. Foles is really coming into his own as a quarterback. And these two guys specifically, uh, Matthews with the loss of Deshaun Jackson, there's that void for you know a dynamic wide receiver. Riley Cooper doesn't really do it for me. Macklin is a good wide receiver, but he gets hurt all the time. So there is a void there in this offense. And Jordan Matthews is a guy I think that could fill that void. Uh, young guy, I think it's his first year in the league. But in this offense, he has the potential to get a lot of touches, and especially if Macklin gets hurt, he's going to be a first-team wide receiver on, on the field almost all the time. So he's a guy to look for. Ertz is like basically the second tight end, the de facto backup tight end, although they have two tight ends on the field at times. Selleck is the number one guy. He gets hit so much, and he's been in the league for a while. He's He's kind of on the back nine, so to speak, and Ertz has looked just great every time he's gotten in the game. He burned um, Patrick Chung of the Patriots for a touchdown uh, in the second game of the preseason. He just looks really dominant, and this looks like his year to break out. He played with um, Andrew Luck at Stanford. He's used to being in, a, in this kind of offense. He's used to being you know, the go-to guy, and I think he could really ascend and, and be that. And I think he can play in that up-tempo offense and could really be a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams because he's going to go against safeties that he's going to burn left and right. He's just going to go right down the seam and have a lot of nice long touchdowns, really athletic tight end. So Ertz is my number 10. So those are my fantasy sleeper picks. Next section here, I'm going to talk about guys to target in the fantasy draft. As I said before, some of these guys, it's more of a contrarian thing where they're dropping their average draft positions, dropping for whatever reason, or they've gotten a little negative publicity and, and they're not getting the credit that I think they deserve. Number one, Peyton Manning, Denver. He may or may not be underrated. I mean, most people think that he's one of the top three quarterbacks. I would have no problem even almost taking him in the first round, especially if your league has six points per thrown touchdown. I don't see a drop off. He's still going to be good. Denver is all in on this year. This is Denver's year. I've talked to a few people that are AFC West fans, and they agree. Denver is throwing everything they can into this year. This is their really their shot to make a run at it. Uh, New England is similar. You know, Brady's not getting any younger. But Denver especially, they know that Manning is on his last legs. This is the last go, pretty much. You know, still be around probably next year as well. But this is their really great shot to get that elusive Super Bowl title. They are all in. Manning is going to be throwing it like gangbusters. I know he lost Eric Decker, but I think Eric Decker is completely overrated. They've got Sanders, who's not bad. He'll be good. They've got Caldwell. Welker dinged up a little. Talk about him in a second. They still have Demarius Thomas. Julius Thomas, who I love. Oh, if you can get him in your draft in like the third round, do it. He is great. They're still going to put up numbers. They're still going to do stuff. Peyton Manning's still going to put up his 40-plus touchdowns. Don't feel bad about drafting him in the late first, early second round. If he's there, go for it. 
I like him better than Rodgers and Breeze myself. I think he's going to put up the numbers. He's my number one guy to target. Number two, and this is a straight contrarian play, Rob Gronkowski, New England. He's dropping in drafts. If he's still there in the third or fourth round, I'd pull the trigger on him in a heartbeat. I passed him up in the draft I did this past week. I think it might have even been the fourth round or the third round. And then he got drafted right before I was about to pick the next time. Oh, it just killed me. I really wanted to get him. He's a boomer bust pick. If you pick him and he gets hurt and he's out the year, then that's going to really leave a void. But it's still a tight end void. That's the thing. The upside with tight end, oh man, it, the difference between Gronkowski and everybody else, him and Jimmy Graham and then Julius Thomas, I guess, to a lesser extent, these are the cream of the crop. And if you can get that kind of production at your tight end spot, that's the difference between winning and losing your fantasy football league. So I say go for it. Pull the trigger if you want to do it. <laughs> if you're from New England like me, he's probably going to still go high in your draft. But if you're in another part of the country that doesn't like the Patriots or is just listening to all the hype about Gronkowski being injury prone, probably going to drop and you'll have an opportunity to get him. So I would not hesitate. I would grab him. Rob Gronkowski, my second guy to target. Number three, Corderell Patterson, Minnesota. This kid is going to blow up this year. You heard it here first. I love this guy more than just about anybody else. I really think that this guy is hes going to be in the upper echelon of wide receivers. I don't know if he's going to be quite like A.J. Green or one of those guys, but he's going to be in the argument for at least you know a step down from that. He's going to be one of the top guys. Now, the question is quarterback. you got Matt Castle. you got Teddy Bridgewater in Minnesota. Which way are they going to go? Looks like they're leaning Castle. It might end up being Bridgewater. Either way, as long as these guys can get the ball in the air, he's going to get open. He's tall. He's fast. He's dominant. I love the guy. Is his head on straight? Hopefully. Does he know the playbook? Hopefully. He's had flashes of brilliance. Can he put it together for a whole season, I guess, is the question. It's really kind of a what's between the ears sort of question with him. But he's got all the potential in the world, all the talent, all the athleticism. I love the guy. I think he's going to blow up this year. So if you see him fourth or fifth round and he's still on that draft board, man, it's going to be tempting not to take him. I would think about it. I picked him up in the draft I did earlier this week. Love it. Think he's going to really come into his own this year. So if you can steal him in the middle of your draft, go for it. I think you feel confident it'll do really well for you. My next three guys are kind of similar. They're all cut from the same cloth. Darren Sproles, Philadelphia. Shane Vereen, New England. And Andre Ellington, Arizona. Now, Ellington probably would go the highest out of those three guys in your draft because he's pretty much the primary back in Arizona. But similarly, these guys are all real good in the passing game coming out of the backfield. They can beat you a few different ways, and you get them in open space, and they can really take the ball to the house, possibly. PPR League, both of these, all three of these guys are great guys to have. If you're in a PPR, you want to get at least one of these guys on your team. Ellington, like I said, probably go earlier in the draft, but I've seen some drafts where Shane Vereen's going as early as like the third or fourth round, or well, fourth round at least which is pretty high for a guy who's basically a backup running back, but he's so much more than a backup running back. I think Sproles is hurt a little bit because he's behind McCoy, and McCoy is going to get most of the carries and most of the action, but I think Chip Kelly's going to make a concerted effort to get touches for Sproles because he's just a multi-purpose weapon for Philadelphia. Get him in open space, and he is just dangerous. Just a shifty little guy, really quick. I think he's going to get a lot of action. And Ellington, like I said, he's probably the safest of the guys because he's going to actually be a starter for a running back. But same kind of player, great out of the backfield, great for PPR. So all three of those guys, Sproles, Vereen, Ellington, guys I would target. Number seven, Jason Witten from Dallas, tight end. 
he's been one of the top targets for Romo for as long as I can remember. He's I think he's like number three all time in in receptions or yards for a tight end. He's starting to kind of get up in the record books because he's been around for so long. And he is a great guy. And you might be able to get him in like the seventh or eighth round if you haven't already picked a tight end. And you you can feel pretty good about him because he's going to put up numbers for you. That's a guy if you hold if you do the strategy where you hold off on a tight end, he'd be a guy I'd be looking for later in the draft. So that's Jason Witten, Dallas. Number eight, I have New England defense. New England, I think, this year is going to really come into their own on defense. And I think there's going to be a lot of turnovers created and possibly some scores, possibly pick six, fumble recovery for a touchdown, those sorts of things. I think they're going to wreak a lot of havoc with Chandler Jones, Revis on the back end, Browner maybe when he gets in there, he might be able to, to uh, you know, jar a few balls loose. I think they're going to have a real tough, tough defense that's going to be opportunistic and create turnovers and not give up a lot of points. So that's a defense you may be able to get in, in one of the last few rounds. They, they're probably not going to get picked until, well, depending on how your draft goes out, depending who's in there, they may get picked in like the 11th or 12th round, but there's a good chance they could still be there when you're ready to go for your defense. And if they are, I'd feel comfortable with them. Denver, similarly, is another one. I think Denver has really improved their defense, and they should be pretty opportunistic as well. But for the sake of argument here, my pick is New England. My next pick, uh, number nine, Le'Veon Bell, Pittsburgh. Once again, this is like a contrarian play. He uh, obviously was smoking the sticky icky icky and got caught with his buddy LeGarrette Blunt, who is appropriately named, <laughs> before they were going to their uh, third preseason game. Now he's starting to drop in drafts, but he really should be drafted in like the second or third round probably for, for the value that he brings as the primary running back for Pittsburgh. And even though he'll lose some touchdowns to his partner in crime there, uh, Garrett Blunt, I still like Le'Veon Bell. If he gets a suspension, it's probably not going to be very long. Like we're talking one or two games and it may not even happen during the season because they're going to keep postponing this as long as they can. So use this as a contrarian opportunity to go after Bell. He's still going to be playing. I know Pittsburgh's not happy about him and what he did and getting busted for a DUI and with, with pot. But that being said, he's still going to be there. He's still the best weapon they have in the backfield. I would go after uh, Levy and Bell if he starts dropping in your draft. Yeah, I would go with him. Uh, number 10, Kyle Rudolph, Minnesota. Once again, like Patterson, it'll be interesting to see what happens in that offense, but Rudolph has really shown that he could be a weapon as a receiving tight end. He just got a big deal, so he's got all that security. They believe in him. He's looked good in the preseason. He's getting touchdowns. He's getting scores. So same with Witten. If Rudolph is available there late in the draft, he could slip because he's not a, a sexy pick. If he's there, I would go after him. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, tight end from Minnesota. So those are my 10 guys to target in your draft, my kind of contrarian picks, as I said. All right, so last but not least, my guys to avoid. I'm going to go through this really quickly and give you a quick uh, summation. Number one, Josh Gordon, Cleveland. You don't need any explanation there. That guy's going to get suspended, and uh, it's only a matter of time, so I would not go after him. Number two, rookie tight ends. Eric Ebron, Jason Morrow, Austin Safarian Jenkins, C.J. Fedor, C.J. Fedorowicz, or whatever his name is. Rookie tight ends, just, I don't really feel good about any of those guys. Maybe you take a flyer on them late in the draft, but uh, none of those guys have really lit it up in the preseason. There's just too much against them, so I would not go after any rookie tight ends in this year's draft. 
Number three, Steven Jackson from Atlanta and any other running backs over 30. You know, 30 is 60 for a running back. They, they just fall off the map. Guys like you think of Sean Alexander a few years ago, he goes from scoring 20 touchdowns to being out of the league in like two seasons. So do not go for the older running backs. Avoid them like the plague. Number four, Phillip Rivers from San Diego. This is more of just a personal pick. I just don't really care for him. Um, and I think he had a great year last year, but I, I, got, I can't think he can replicate that this year. Um, it looked like he was almost out of the league going into last year. I think that he'll probably drop back. Now, watch him go ahead and prove me wrong once more, but I am avoiding him in any and all fantasy drafts. Phillip Rivers. Number five, New York Jets. They don't have anybody good on their team, and they are an awful franchise with awful fans. So I would avoid the New York Jets. Number six, Wes Welker, Denver. Just got another concussion, his third concussion in 10 months. This guy needs to retire. Part of the reason New England didn't bring him back, and it never gets talked about, but they saw the writing on the wall. He is just like punch drunk at this point. He's taken so many hits. I'm sure there's many that he hasn't even talked about. He wears that Marvin the Martian helmet now, protect himself. He's at the point now where for his own health, he should leave because he's had way too many concussions. I don't like him at all. I would not draft him in any draft. I think there's a good chance he may never, may never play another game in the NFL again uh, after he gets this concussion diagnosis. The guy's young. He's done everything he can do. I would, I'd probably hang it up if I was Wes. So I would not draft Welker. His teammate, Matt Prater from Denver, busted for drugs, out for four games. He is undraftable. Don't draft him. Number eight, Percy Harvin, Seattle. I love Percy Harvin. I love the kind of player he is, but he just seems kind of wasted in Seattle. He gets lost in the mix. They don't really know how to use him right, and he's had a lot of injury concerns. So I don't really see a lot of big things from Percy Harvin. He might return a punt return for a touchdown or do something like that, but from a fantasy standpoint, I don't think he's really going to make much of a difference for you. So I would avoid him uh, unless it's late in the draft. Number nine, Cam Newton, Carolina. Talked about him before. I still think he's had some injury issues, and I just think he's going to plateau out a little bit this year or maybe even take a step back. So I am avoiding him. Uh, I just think there's other ways you could go other than Cam Newton, guys that are going to be drafted around the same time who I feel a lot better than than him about. So I would avoid him. And number 10, this guy's uh, been a darling of a lot of uh, fantasy football people, but I have Bishop Sankey from Tennessee. He has not looked good in the preseason. There's just something about him. I just I think he's overrated. I, I was surprised when he got drafted. I didn't even think he was the best running back or close to it in the draft. Somebody sees something in him, but I don't see it, and I don't think it's going to happen this year. If it does, if he is going to be good, I think Tennessee is going to go a different direction than Sankey, so I would avoid him. So that's about it for our Fantasy Football Football Friday Tailgate Edition. Um, next week, we're going to preview week one in the NFL. I'll give you my season predictions, and I'll review some of my playoff predictions from last year and see how close I got it. Um, I think I actually did okay, but I'll have to review that see what I did. In the meantime, check us out on the web, footballfridaytailgate.com, or at FFT Podcast on Twitter, at Dan underscore Mullen at Twitter. That's my personal Twitter handle. Email dan at footballfridaytailgate.com or our text voicemail line 617-819-4FFT. Definitely reach out to us whatever way you want. Love to hear from you. Love to get your feedback. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you want to hear. Tell us what teams you want to talk about. So until next week, thank you for listening and vaya con Dios, amigos. Amigos.